It's not easy having a good time. Even smiling makes my face ache. And my children turn on me. Rocky's behaving just the way that Eddie did. Do you think I made a mistake? Splitting his brain between the two of them. Die! Throw theory of this world! Welcome to Generation Lost, the show about movies. It's Brendan Jeremy. How are you? What's going on? <laughs> it's Generation. I was midway through a sip. <laughs> I think you thought I was going to fuck that up more than I did. <laughs> I thought you were going to like add a little more, a little more zest. Yeah, and I was like, oh, well, I got a minute to have a sip. <laughs> did not have a minute to have a sip. It no. turns out. You're supposed to say, hello, I'm Jeremy. Hello, what's up? What the fuck is up? <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> it's almost Halloween. It's so close, and it does not feel that way. It doesn't feel like the election is in two weeks. That's, That's for what's goddamn really sure. insane to me because I was—I don't ever remember a presidential elections being this close to Halloween. Yeah, like, right. It doesn't feel that way, but it absolutely is every time. Is it really? Yeah, because they choose what day it is based on All Saints Day, which is the day after Halloween. I thought it was the Day of the Dead. This is the day after Halloween. Dia it's also Martos. that. Yeah, I think it's yeah. both. Okay. <laughs> um, I don't know when the Day of the Dead actually is. It may it's not be. November is it, 1st. It's November 1st. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I mean, maybe that's what All Saints Day is. Maybe they're both kind of the same thing. Well, actually. They come actually, from the same place. Anyway, the point is that Election Day is by law the first Tuesday after All Saints Day. Oh, so goodness. if Halloween is a Monday, then Election Day can't be that Tuesday. Hmm. That's and so weird. because Halloween this year is Saturday. It's a Saturday. Election Day is the third. Yeah, it's going to be a fun year. A fucking <laughs> Halloween is on a Saturday, <laughs> you know. Yeah, that means we can go out and get drunk with all of our friends in the same I know, I room. I can't wait to put on a I can't wait to put on a costume and dance look to out the music. window. <laughs> Are you going to yeah. wear a costume? No. I don't. Well, if people come usually? over, oh yeah, um, I like to do a costume. Mm. Um, but if I might have like, you know, my safe friends over or something, and yeah, maybe have a little. We'll probably just watch horror movies, but wearing giant condoms, yeah, <laughs> over their whole body, yeah, with holes um, in the face, so you can. What breathe. are some? What are some past? Uh, some past costumes. Costumes. Oh. Hmm. I was uh, Pris, Daryl Hannah's character from Blade Runner. Okay. It's probably the most I've ever worked on a costume because, like, uh-huh. she has, like, these weird, like, futuristic garters that this was probably seven years ago or something. Um, and I had to, like, cut them out of mm-hmm. regular. I had to, like, make them. Um, and then, really, besides that, it's just, like, a kind of weird meshy tank top and then the face paint um and then the boots yeah this is a kind of a thoughty costume this is a long time ago <laughs> um <laughs> but uh 
<laughs> it was a fun one. People, it, yeah. that that one was really good because most I, my favorite costumes are ones where most people don't know who you are, and then the people mm. who do know who you are are really excited. Um, yeah, they're like, oh, I've, I've seen that. I've never been a big uh, like I like Halloween mm-hmm. um, as a holiday, and I like going out for it and stuff and all that. I um, it's a great never holiday. really got crazy about like costumes in particular. Uh-huh. Um, I think I, I posted this picture the other day that it was like a really formative experience in my youth when, do you remember like there's a time in your youth when you're wearing like cute costumes every year for Halloween? You mean when you're like really young? Yeah, you're really like, young. You're wearing a cute costume. You're like a dog or like a pumpkin. Yeah, yeah. You know, like peas in a pod, something cute like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's like one year distinctly where everyone's like, we scary. wear scary costumes yeah. now. <laughs> And so there's a picture of me, like the moment that that happened to me. And it's my cousin is dressed up as the scream ghost face murderer. And then it's <laughs> me dressed up as my own dog. <laughs> like I'm just what? standing. I'm, I have a costume that is I'm dressed up as Boomer, my dog at the time. <laughs> okay. So my face is all painted like a beagle. I have like these big dog ears. and I, I look so pissed off in this picture. It's so funny. <laughs> Because you wanted to be scary, but you had to be cute. No, I just didn't realize. I didn't realize everybody was scary now, and <laughs> I'm I'm the only one out here dressed like a fucking dog, and all my <laughs> friends are dressed as like you know, ghost face and pinhead and stuff, mm-hmm. and I'm just like, yeah, what's up? I'm my own dog. <laughs> so anyway, I, I feel like I was like deeply scarred by that experience, and um, I never really was crazy about costumes. I still did it. I'd still mm-hmm. dress up every year and whatever. Um, but my buddy Brian at some point told me like in, in adulthood, I, I've known him my whole life, but in adulthood, he told me like, yeah, you know, like when I was a kid, um, I didn't like Halloween, uh, but everybody would make you feel bad if you didn't dress up. Mm-hmm. Um, he's like, so I would just every year, same costume. I'm a plumber. And I would just put on my dad's work, <laughs> his, 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 uh, his tool belt. And I would put on a flannel shirt, hard hat, go into school. Same costume every year. And he's like, <laughs> nobody ever gave me a problem for it. So then I, I adopted that mentality in adult life now. I have one cow costume that was my cow. wife's in college. <laughs> uh, that was itself her sister's in college. So it's like a 12 or 15-year-old cow costume at this point. And it still fits you? Yeah, 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 it's a piece of shit. And that's what's great about it is that every year it gets funnier that I wear it because every year it's like more raggedy. It's more stained from years and years of parties. Like the udder on the front is like chapped and like ripped apart. Like all of the udders have holes in them now. Ew. I'm in, in the two minutes late night Halloween special. I'm wearing okay. this cow costume and you can see at some point Jordan like puts his finger inside the udder. <laughs> It's disgusting. It's the grossest cow costume. I love it. It's so that funny. That sounds disgusting. <laughs> uh, but you look more and more. That's the thing is like every year you look more like a real cow. It's because leather. you always expect you always expect a cow to look like clean and, and cartoony when you go see them. And then you go see them in real life and you're like, they are filthy animals. Right, yeah. They're so dirty all the time. Yeah. Well, I don't know if they would be filthy if it was. Yeah. I no, mean, they, they would. They roll around in dirt. It's their animals. It. And shit, yeah. We should be dirty. The first know? costume I had that I remember when I was eight years old, me and my sister went as Mulder and Scully, and I cut oh. my hair short. <laughs> and, and then, like, pompadoured it. 
And I, I, I remember photoshopping, not really photoshopping. I think I just made that on like MS Paint. Mm-hmm. And then I printed out and laminated FBI badges. Yeah. And we had this, we each had suitcases to get the candy. <laughs> That's very fun. <laughs> and, uh, that but I guess like you gotta, it, it's kind of like, um, who's the back of the horse, right? Uh, well, who's Mulder? <laughs> My sister did, didn't want to be Mulder. She wanted to be Scully. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to be Mulder. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> I believe in aliens. <laughs> Yeah, that's but, fair. Yeah, you, you get more to it than just like boy girl costume. You get to be like, I'm yeah. the one who knows what the fuck is up. <laughs> yeah, you're just helping. I was bossy. <laughs> you're just that shrill bitch who's along for the ride. <laughs> yeah, you just know how to do corpses and stuff. <laughs> fuck off. Um, but yeah, uh, other than that, I generally try to. I'm very lazy and I try to put in as little effort. So I try to pick, mm. pick costumes that are like easy. This um, is why you have to, you have to adopt my strategy. It's great. You have one <laughs> costume. You wear it every year. That's a good one. It's I, really fun. <laughs> well, Oh, one time in college I was like, like, uh, I guess like <laughs> I was Freddy Krueger. I got like, mm-hmm. but I was like a girl Freddy. Krueger. I had like a fucking skirt like a brown skirt and then i found the sweater and then like cut it you know like like a deep v in it yeah and i but i also had like someone i had a friend in like the makeup department do like really intense makeup on oh, my face yeah. and like had the glove and stuff and then over the years it was such a fun costume that i just kept wearing it but then i like mm-hmm. lost the hat and i lost the glove so eventually i was just wearing a sweater and a skirt <laughs> i mean like i'm freddy Krueger. <laughs> whatever shut up yeah and then i had to i think at, at, at a certain point i just lost all of it uh, in uh-huh. like a move or something, and so I had to start doing different costumes. This is basically the cow costume, except I lost it. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, yeah. well, so happy Halloween! Happy the next Halloween, episode uh, that we do will be after Halloween, so we're saying it'll, but it'll be like the day after. <laughs> so oh, that's true. Yeah. We're saying hap- happy um, Halloween now. Yeah, happy Halloween. Mm-hmm. Anyway, what did what did you watch this week, Bryn? Uh, so I watched. Um, you watched Saw four. So I didn't watch any Saw this week. Oh, uh, <laughs> you're not gonna make your deadline. I know. Well, I could. I still can if I watch like two a you day. You're gonna really cram now. Yeah, I might really cram. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I watched. Um, well, one thing I wanted to mention: I watched the Travis Scott documentary. Look, Mom, I can fly. Okay, um, that's on uh, Netflix. Right, it's on Netflix. Um. Travis Scott is a musician who I kind of didn't realize how much I loved until quarantine. I just Uh like kept coming back to like all of his albums. Um, Just like getting a lot of inspiration in terms of like the production and stuff. Like the production is very dark and like psychedelic and gothy. Oh damn. He's in Fortnite. (laughs) Oh yeah. (laughs) That's a big (laughs) part of Travis Scott is that he's in Fortnite. Um, Wow. Well, because he was going to do a big tour this year and then mm-hmm. it didn't. And then he got to do it in Fortnite. Um, <laughs> but the, the the documentary is really interesting because it's like a very like aesthetic pastiche documentary. Like it's less like there's no interviews at all. Like it's all footage just from following them around. 
Yeah. Um, which is, so it's like kind of hard to hear what people are saying half the time. Like they're not mic'd. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it's kind of just like being a fly on the wall through him making his latest album. Um, yeah. And then there's all these cutbacks to uh, home footage of him as a kid with his family that are mm. sort of like intercut with stuff that's going on now where he's just like being really like funny and you know doing voices and stuff and then it'll like cut to him like winning a gram or like getting nominated for a grammy or whatever with his mom and like his mom's crying and stuff so it's like this pretty it's it's from a distance because you don't actually get to hear him say a lot of stuff like you only get to see him actually reacting uh to like the stuff that's going on in his life you know having a baby like right incredibly intimate stuff that you wouldn't normally get in a like documentary about a rock star like in like in the hospital like literally the moment the baby like is <laughs> arrives like he's like talking to his friend on the phone and being like i saw the baby and immediately started crying as soon as i held her and it was incredible and he's just like having this like insanely intense moment with his friend on the cell phone um and then just intercut with like the hugest concerts you've ever seen um Uh very weird documentary but was i thought was very inspiring and if you have any interest in travis scott or like music documentaries at all i thought it was pretty cool and yeah kind of emotionally affecting it sounds like um kind of similar in a way to um uh, What's Up Fat Lip, which is the documentary. I've told you about this before, I think. It's a documentary by Spike Jones about Fat Lip from the far side. Oh, yeah. You, I and think you have told me about this. Yeah, and he's making the video for the song What's Up Fat Lip, which is like the only hit that Fat Lip had solo. Mm-hmm. And it's like him and Spike just going around L.A., uh, filming shots for this video. And the and the video is like kind of like a guerrilla style sort of thing that like it's all him like uh in like a clown costume getting punched in the balls by a kid and like it's <laughs> oh, just yeah. all like it's just all just him just being humiliated in various ways. Mm-hmm. Um but it's just like in between shooting that it's filmed in this very intimate sort of like personal way where similar fly on the wall sort of thing, but even weirder, it's like filmed from as if it's from Spike's perspective. So it's like you'll be talking to to Fat Lip in the front seat and it's like your first person view as you're like sitting on the floor of a van, just kind of like looking up at Fat Lip as he's like telling you this story about how like, you know, people see him on the bus and they're like, I can't believe Fat Lip rides the bus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's... And the whole thing is about like what a fucking loser he is. But then half of the time he's like lying about stuff. <laughs> It's very similar to that where it's just like him talking with his friends or like him hearing like the Drake verse they just got back, like listening to it on their cell phone and be like, oh, my mm-hmm. God, he said that or whatever. <laughs> um, and then there's like one scene where he's like after one of the big like World shows, he's like talking to his crew who's like con- like the, you know, the people who are doing the lighting and the pyrotechnics and everything. Right. And sort of like you think at first he's really mad. Like he's like, look at the top of the roller coaster, you have to do this. And that cue has to come out here. Cause if that, that like, how are we going to have the pyrotechnics? And like, they're just like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then like, and then he's like, all right, besides that, it was amazing. <laughs> it's like, Oh, interesting. He's like, so wrapped up in everything. So it really gives you, yeah. It's like that where you get this really yeah. interesting perspective into like a real person's life. Um, well, that's always fun too. When you get to see like the work angle of like being a rock star, mm-hmm. because like, you don't realize how much of it is like going to an office and doing a job sometimes (laughs) like 
the uh, the Michael Jackson documentary is really good for that, where you see him kind of like directing dancers. And so, did you ever watch it? It's like the yeah, it's yeah. him doing his like big last performance thing, mm-hmm. and it's him like working on all the songs and all the choreography and stuff. And like when he talks to the dancers, it's the most fascinating thing. His voice goes like down several octaves, you know, because there's oh, like yeah, the, yeah. there's the hymn that's public that's just like let's climb trees. And then there's like the version of him behind the scenes that's just like, no, it's this, <laughs> yeah. you know, and you're no, like, oh, we God, have to get this correct. Or, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So it's really interesting. The other thing I watched was uh, Evil Dead 2, Ooh. Which, which I haven't seen uh, Dead by Dawn, which I haven't seen since probably the f- second time, like the first time I watched it in like high school. Does he um, have the, the crazy arms yet? Uh, that's the one in where Evil he cuts Dead off too? his hand and he puts the chainsaw on it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then it's the other hand is like a shotgun, isn't it? Uh, or does he, he just, hold the shotgun and he has a chainsaw hand? That's right. He's got just holds the holds mm. the shotgun. Or he saws it off at the end with with his chainsaw hand. Oh. Um, and then it's a oh, he saws off, off the shotgun, not his other hand. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, Who even needs him anymore? <laughs> <laughs> Who needs a hand? Just put a shotgun on it. Uh, <laughs> but that movie's so strange because it's like a remake of the first one mm-hmm. uh, where, you know, it's a bunch of kids who go to a cabin where this one is just like him and his girlfriend go to a cabin and then immediately like demons start happening and then right. he, she dies and then he's trapped and then he spends the whole movie just fighting them and it's just a claymation like extravaganza right it really like as memory serves i haven't seen these since i was a teenager but the first one is like completely different from the other two yeah and that it's like that one is kind of like a more straight-faced you know like horror movie type of thing and then two and three are just all about like mythologizing the ash character where (laughs) it's just like whatever he's sick Uh it's just this is what it's about is that ash rules (laughs) well yeah the first one is a low budget like if you look on Wikipedia, it says it's like a couple hundred thousand dollars or something. But mm-hmm. like in Bruce Campbell's book, he says like they spent, as far as he remembers, there was nobody spending money on it at all. And that must just, just be marketing. Um, because like they just bought like groceries to make the blood and stuff and nobody got paid. And it was like just exposing film uh, and renting the cameras. It's same fucking Raimi. Yeah. It's his first movie. <laughs> What? Um, and then seven years later, they made Evil Dead 2, which yeah. with a lot more money, um, but just remade the movie uh, as an excuse to sort of like do funny, weird horror shit. And then the third movie is five years later, and that's like a real grand uh, like adventure movie where it's like... <laughs> uh, the Army of Darkness, yeah. yeah. Uh, which is absurd and a very weird movie, <laughs> um, but very fun, I think. So it was fun to revisit. Uh, it's not as funny as I remember. Right. Like what I remember about Evil Dead 2 is that like, oh, it's the funny one. But it's like, it's goofy. And it's surprising when you first watch it. But it's like, it's basically like a couple slapstick jokes here and there. That's just like a little silly, you know? Yeah. It's not one that I, I don't remember any of them as being particularly funny as much as like being like whoa like look at how cool this guy is <laughs> well the second the third one has straight up like he's uh 
going through a graveyard and then the skeleton hands come get him and then they like slap him on the face and like poke him in the eyes and do like a three (laughs) stooges routine like there's a lot of like really goofy shit in yeah i guess i don't really remember army of darkness (laughs) because i don't remember that shit at all it's a funny movie uh this one is pretty funny like the there's like a scene where like the everything in the house starts laughing at him and then he starts laughing and they start like doing this weird routine um very surreal more than funny but you can only like laugh Hmm. at it (laughs) because it's just strange uh but definitely worth watching i thought it was a lot of fun huh yeah yeah i don't know i might (laughs) i might look into it (laughs) so what did you watch this week uh so i think i started talking about this last week on one of the episodes i don't know which but um uh, Wait, I've, you mean maybe on Ballin' Out? <laughs> no, well, maybe oh. on Ballin' Out. No, I, I'm pretty sure I talked to you about this. Okay. Um, but I, st- I started last week The Haunting of Bly Manor. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then I finished it over the week. Um, it is, uh, well, for top top line, uh, headline of article, it's good. It's good. Um, yeah, it is actually good. Okay. Um, but I, I unfortunately realize now that i don't really remember the haunting of hill house as well as i'd like to to make a direct comparison oh no uh, like i i my gut sense is that this is not as good okay um but the haunting of hill house is extremely good you know so it's kind of hard to to live up to i guess um but yeah, no haunting of Bly manor is really fantastic it's um it it kind of I don't know it's a little whack sometimes uh it it like it's it's a creepy kid thing which I'm oh. never really keen on because um, you're scared you're, are of you like, them or no I think it's dumb I always think it's dumb when it's creepy kids it's like I you know I've seen enough <laughs> I've seen enough creepy kids I don't think I need to see another creepy kid I've never really been scared of kid like they're children and therefore powerless. Yeah, and I it's don't like when you watch um, the Ginger Dead Man, and people are like running scared from the Gingerbread Man. You're like, he's a cookie. <laughs> you can break a cookie. Yeah, just fight back. What are you doing? Just literally pick him up and be like, oh, cookie, break it. You right. know, it's the kid. It's just like kick a kid. You can <laughs> kick a kid over. <laughs> you can do anything. You could just murder him if you wanted to. Literally, especially now as a parent it's just like it's like your kid is vulnerable <laughs> they're fragile little things there's nothing less scary than a kid <laughs> yeah exactly except that you might be afraid that you'll hurt them yeah exactly um, <laughs> i think but, so that, it's it's a creepy kid story and um i think that it can kind of sometimes be done well when it's like that's sort of what's weird about it where it's like you like the, in the Twilight Zone episode and the movie where it's like, it's not that the kid will hurt you, but mm-hmm. it's like their wishes always come true. And so like, if you don't please it, then it will destroy right. you. And then you could just kill it, but it's like not trying to hurt you. Um, That kind of like psychological fear is something, but like, just like, 
oh, there's a child over there. I'd be like, oh my God, what the hell? Are you okay? Like, do we need to yeah. call somebody? You know. <laughs> well, so this straddles the line a little bit because it's like on the one hand, it is doing creepy kid and it is doing like the kid like murders some people and stuff and you're like, come on. But then <laughs> there's another angle of it that they start playing kind of later on, especially where it's just like, you really feel bad for the kid and you're like, sure. you're starting to be like, man, somebody really needs to protect these kids. This is really fucked up what's happening to them. Because basically mm-hmm. the story is that it's like a haunted house type of thing where like the kids are kind of acting as conduits for these ghosts to interact with the real world. And um, okay. so they're being kind of possessed by these ghosts and then being made to do the, you know, the creepy stuff. Um, and, you know, by the end of it, the ghosts are like, we found a way to do it permanently. And you're oh, like, no, no, no Not that. <laughs> we don't like that. <laughs> um, but it's an interesting show. It's I think there there's definitely messiness to it, and it's kind of I'm a little worried if they're going to do a third one that it's going to get substantially worse because mm-hmm. there's a lot of like loose ends that uh, don't get tied up, um, or there's like plot lines that just get dropped completely. Like in this one, yeah, like the main character has like a ghost that's following her when she starts. There's like so there's like two types of ghosts in both of these actually. This is something I do remember from Hill House. Uh, there's like real ghosts and then there's like these guilt ghosts that are just kind of like metaphorical ghosts mm-hmm. that live with you as guilt. And so I think that she has a guilt ghost and then she like moves past it and and it's gone. But basically midway through the series, this one ghost element is just completely out of the story and you never hear about it again. Uh, weird. And you're kind of like, oh, I would have rather they spend that time <laughs> on the Bly Manor ghosts personally mm-hmm. you know give us a little more about them um you know you can't really can't have enough yeah what i remember about um haunting of hill house besides that i really liked it was that the first couple episodes were kind of a slog mm-hmm. that it was scary and i mean i get pretty scared by certain things like it's pretty easy to scare me if you know like the right things like the grudge we talked about this before yeah like the grudge really scares me it's a bad movie but it's a (laughs) it's a scary movie um and this movie this uh show did scare me um but i remember being like it's good enough that i'll keep going and then i was gonna stop until uh i read an article about like how good a certain episode was and i was like all right i'll get there and that episode where they go to like the funeral um, is really good. Yeah, and absolutely the same is true of this. The beginning of it is an absolute slog. Okay. There's a lot of like, there's a monologue where like the gardener character is, you know, like going off about how like plants are simple, humans <laughs> are difficult. And she goes on for cool. like a few minutes and you're like, shut up already. <laughs> God damn, move on. Who cares about but the then, plants? But then by the end of it, she's like a wildly compelling character that you're really emotionally invested in. And, you know, she's really well developed. And you're like, well, maybe kind of because they spent a lot of time on that stupid monologue. I don't know. Yeah. And that's it the- probably could have been shorter. But you know what? <laughs> you did it. So who am I to, to judge? And that's absolutely this thing with the first one, which was that like there was all this setup of like it. I just don't trust prestige television anymore at all Mm -hmm. like because it's so it's just a genre now like you you can just follow a paint by numbers don't have to actually write a good story but i didn't trust the the show to like 
pay anything off. Like you've got this like ghost that comes and scares you. One that really old man ghost that like floats by and there was the crooked right. head lady or whatever, crooked neck lady. Um, and I was like, okay, so it's just a haunted house. But the show really delivers on like this sort of like time loop idea and like it all sort of being a metaphor for their sort of abusive and um, disgruntled childhoods or whatever. Yeah. Uh, really good, really good stuff. Really good, well written. And that's it yeah. all ends up being a thing that happens together. Um, so time loopy stuff is very much uh, in play again for Bly Manor. Okay. But instead of kind of talking about like, like previous trauma, it's more about like, it's, it's more about, I mean, it's about identity and it's about like the ways in which we like retreat into nostalgia uh, to, to hide from pain. And so like the thing that happens, for example, when you get, um, when you get possessed is you get pushed into a place, they call it being tucked away and you get Mm. tucked away into a memory that you feel comfortable in. And so there'll be episodes where like the little girl is just kind of like out and about doing her shit. And then suddenly she like walks through a door and she's uh, in a bedroom with her mother who died last year. And Mm. her mom's just like telling her like, everything's going to be okay. You're going to be great. And she's like, this isn't real. And she's like, I know it's not. And they're like having conversations about how it's not real. And like, actually (laughs) this is bullshit. And she's like, but why am I here? And she's like, you know why you're here. And it's just like, and and you're like, oh, so she's being possessed right now. It's it's interesting. It's an interesting concept. And mm-hmm. you'd think that seeing the same scene over and over again would become really tiresome. But it's actually like a really interesting thing that they're doing. Um, it's pretty good. I think that maybe the, the payoff at the end is a little mm, like. Not as powerful not as powerful they maybe over explain it might be the problem mm-hmm. so it's like i, I don't want to ruin it for you but it's like uh there's an episode where they just kind of like leave you on a cliffhanger of there's like a lady in the lake and the lady in the lake kind of like emerges and does something and they're like and now cut to full episode of lady in the lake what's her story oh. <laughs> and you do a whole episode about her which is itself very good and compelling but mm-hmm. it kind of almost feel like once they come back, it's just like, I don't, I don't feel like my viewing of this story was enhanced by this. Mm-hmm. I think maybe you could have just made it a side piece that just kind of like is an extra that you can watch, you know? Yeah, that makes sense. I, I, I feel like they, they're everything on Netflix and general prestige television in general, like has like disallowed itself from being ambiguous like mm-hmm. it's pretty hard to they still feel the need to sh- because they know they're making popular this is just television now <laughs> you know right. so it like has the sort of aesthetic properties of a confusing or like high-minded show but is not necessarily written that way right <laughs> it has to be as on the nose as anything else unless it's fucking twin peaks or something <laughs> it's very similar to um like the triple a game thing where it's just like yeah. even garbage games like they look really good and they have the look of a triple a and you're like all right well that's 
this is a big game I've got to play. And then you play it and you're like, this sucks this so blows. much. Why am I playing this? And it's yeah. the same thing with Prestige TV now where it's just like everything looks like a movie. They've got mm-hmm. a dolly shot. And then it's like, no. Every once in a while, something will be nicely framed because they like mm-hmm. hired someone who knows how to like frame a shot or whatever. But like, yeah. um, you can't write something that's going to confuse anybody. Yeah, and this isn't confusing necessarily. It's like, and it, it's it's not super over-explained. What's kind of annoying about it really is that it's like, it's unnecessary, I think. It like, mm-hmm. it doesn't relate enough to what's going on in the story that it needs to be there. Mm. It kind of feels like the lady in the lake being just kind of like an unknowable force is just as effective to the story as her being, you know, what she is. So, but do you think I should watch it? I do think you should watch it. I think it's, I think it really is very good. If you liked Hill House, you'll like it. Okay. Um, And I mean, quite frankly, we're just starved for content these days. <laughs> you know, there's not a lot of like TV that's good right now. Are you excited for The Mandalorian? No, no, I'm not. <laughs> I'm excited. For Is it coming back? Yeah, season two comes out in like a couple days, I think. Did Damn, you want? I bet I watched two episodes of it and then oh. I gave up on it. Oh, I like uh, it. And I, I mean, I, I know you liked it. Everybody liked it. I, I don't give a shit. I'm not gonna. <laughs> there's no way that I'm gonna like it. <laughs> well, if you watch two episodes and you didn't like it, you didn't like it. That's okay. I didn't like it. And I think that my my prediction, my hot take is that. Season two is going to suck. It's going to be worse. going to turn on it. Yeah. I hope so. I don't even love, like, it's like. <laughs> <laughs> I can't be, I can't be liking Star Wars. It's off brand. Like, well, yeah. I mean, my, well, yeah. I don't like anything for Star Wars now, except for that. So uh, I'm still going to steal it. <laughs> Arrest me. Um, but yeah. Fucking anyway. call the cops, John Favreau. <laughs> your billion dollar fucking show or whatever um anyway i'll be watching that next week i think um anyway let's get into the movie we watched let's get into the fucking movie let's go one of the last spooky movies we're kind of gonna do a spooky movie next week but this week we did not go I'm sure you already understand by the title, we did not go existential horror. <laughs> yeah, no, we, I mean, we decided to, I think the real way to, to kind of frame this is that like we, we've been through it the past three weeks <laughs> and uh, we kind of took a break this week. Yeah, we wanted to give everyone, including ourselves, <laughs> a break from watching absolutely disgusting, evil things uh, and do a very silly only aesthetically spooky uh movie and we watched the rocky horror picture show from 1975 directed by richard o'brien um who's also in it i did not realize he is riffraff he's riffraff he wrote and directed and i think did the music too that's such a big dick move to be like i'm riffraff in this movie i don't even need to be i don't need to be frankenfurter i don't need to be like one of the cool ones i'm riffraff (laughs) his biggest line is they never liked me (laughs) no that's not his biggest he's got a great uh um he's he well he brings in the time warp all of the time warp i mean he's got like a lot of the some of the uh the more famous stuff in the movie but it's all sort of subtle um so if you haven't seen this movie uh let's explain (laughs) yeah okay Uh, this is a movie 
it's almost going to be weird because there's probably a lot of people who are young who haven't seen this movie. Um, yeah. And I feel like if you're not... And especially even if you have seen it, that you haven't like experienced the like the thing. Yeah. You, know, you haven't like gone to see it. Mm-hmm. Most people probably Which is a whole other thing, which we'll, we'll get into. Yeah, and freaks like to do that um, in general. <laughs> uh, but this is a movie that is a musical. I think... One, yeah, only the second musical we've done. Um, yeah, I think so. Uh, so this is a straight musical movie. Um, most of it is numbers. Um, but this is a movie about Brad and Janet. They attended their friend's wedding. We begin at a wedding. She throws the bouquet and Janet gets it. Brad says to her in song that I actually really love you and we should get married too. Very wholesome opening. Um, and then they are driving away, just, I guess, going home. Um, yeah, they're going somewhere. It doesn't really matter, I guess. They get caught in a storm. They get caught with a flat and they have to seek help. So they go out in the rain with newspapers over their heads and they find the Frankenstein An extremely place. Scooby-Doo scenario <laughs> where there's a uh, yes. big haunted mansion out in the middle of nowhere. And they're like, oh, I guess we can go find help there. And they go in, they mm-hmm. knock on the door. Surprise. And who answers? It's the Rocky Horror Picture Show, in fact. <laughs> yes, there are freaks who are looking weird and being very gay. And they uh, sing a song. They're all doing a dance called the Time Warp. Um and we're introduced to the owner, the master of the lair, the of the castle, whose name is Dr. Frankenfurter, who's played by Tim Curry, and is a, a transsexual transvestite from Transylvania. Uh, this is all very hard to explain. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Just imagine it's not a, this is not a trans woman. This is don't like imagine a that. 70s style, <laughs> like, uh, uh, I guess, cross-dresser. Like it, it feels more akin yeah. to drag than it does to anything else. Yeah, of course. I mean, Tim Curry is a very a consummate performer and puts everything into this role uh, and is incredible in this role. <laughs> but uh, it, I guess, the in the fiction of the movie, Frankenfurter is an alien that we find out at the end. Yeah, from a planet called Transsexual Uh in the galaxy of Transylvania. Or vice versa, I think, but uh, I can't remember. No, I think it's planet Transsexual in galaxy Transylvania. Okay. Um, (laughs) And so they... uh, Yeah, so he's a guy, a person who is some not human right so yeah as some sort of like weird queer mixture of things and is bisexual and likes to fuck everyone yeah. um which is not apparently not normal <laughs> for the, their <laughs> alien race uh he's weird um but he dresses because yeah, riffraff and magenta are also from that planet and they think it's weird they think he's weird um <laughs> and so they uh he dresses in corsets and uh garters and high heels all the time and he's making a man a person yeah he's also a scientist this is important to yeah. know <laughs> he's a scientist who's making the perfect man it's like yeah. it's like the gay powerpuff girls exactly he's making like the perfect man and it's a muscly man in a gold speedo named rocky from the name right and it's horrifying and so he shows brad and janet his new creation uh 
Rocky, who is a very ripped man who is he's in a, a gold he's a himbo he's we would call him a himbo in today's world <laughs> that's right they it, didn't the, have such <laughs> they you know they didn't have such vocabulary in the 1970s unfortunately this is a deeply insensitive film in many ways himbos, they couldn't yeah. really yeah they didn't really have the appropriate terminology to talk about <laughs> himbos it's pretty himbophobic actually because <laughs> susan sarandon is like uh I don't like men with too many muscles. And yeah, Tim Curry is, says, I didn't make him for you. Yeah, that's a fantastic line. <laughs> um, um, and so he makes Rocky and then out of nowhere, Meatloaf comes out of the freezer uh, yeah. and sings a song. Fantastic cameo. <laughs> he sings a song about being cool, basically. Yeah, about and, how cool it was to listen to rock and roll on the and, radio. And yeah. then uh, Frankenfurter kills him. Um mm-hmm. You find out later that Eddie from Meatloaf was uh, his first attempt at making a guy, basically. Um, no, 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 no. He just, like, was hooking up with Frankenfurter. Yeah, but he put, like, half of Rocky's brain in in Eddie's br- oh, head. Oh, that's that why he's got the thing. And so he was, like, trying to make a sex. I don't care. That's really unclear. This movie it's is really not- unclear. <laughs> they don't even bother. It doesn't really matter. It's all f- joke, basically. Um, <laughs> And uh, so, but he kills Eddie, and then uh, they have to stay overnight because he's basically capturing them. He says yeah. he leads them to their separate rooms, and then f- seduces both of them, um, uh, Janet and Brad. Um, yeah, fucks both of them, and then uh, the next day, I think, or that is it. Later that night, they eat dinner. Yeah, it's whatever. They're they're uh, the. <laughs> Brad's like mentor doctor guy shows up and they're like, you know, what's up, dude? I can't believe you're here too. And then Dr. Frank is like, he's with the government. He's yeah. with the fucking government. He's a spook. <laughs> and Brad's like, you don't know what you're talking about. He's mm-hmm. here for dinner. And they have dinner. And then he's like, actually, I am a spook. And oh, then yeah. he's like, surprise. Eddie and he's like ah yeah. no oh because it was his his nephew or something like that oh right? yeah and then they're eating uh they're eating Eddie meatloaf yeah they're eating Eddie meat um and then yeah and Columbia he reveals, who like, we haven't mentioned was also fucking Eddie and is very sad that they sh- yeah that he well Columbia him. is really not a very fleshed out character Columbia is just there she's a yeah. a girl who likes loved eddie um, she's got great musical numbers she does she has some of the best parts in the time warp and in the uh in the, the floor show in the floor show um her, actually her part of the floor show is probably the best part of the floor show i think i agree yeah. um and so after that uh i think frankenfurter just decides i can never this part always gets a little murky because it's so weird they just decide to do the floor show. <laughs> yeah, no, there's nothing. There, that's the thing oh. here is that it, it is just a hard cut. They don't really have any justification for doing a floor show. Right. After fucking uh, after fucking uh, Frankenfurter, Susan Sarandon, Janet's character, uh, runs to the arms of um, Rocky oh, and then fucks yeah, Rocky. She's been, yeah, she's been made irreparably horny. Yeah. And so she's <laughs> like, actually, I have to fuck now, so I'm going to fuck Rocky, too. Yeah. And then, yeah, there's like a fun scene where Rocky gets chased around by dogs. It doesn't really matter. It doesn't uh, matter. But, but the point is that Frank is just like tired of all this shenanigans, and he's like, fuck it. I'm turning everybody to stone, and then I'm reanimating uh, you downstairs where we're going to do a floor show. 
everybody's can, dressed up in like feather boas and and uh, sexy lingerie, and he controls their minds into doing a sexy uh, dance and song. Yeah, dance and song. And, and then, then at then which point, Magenta and uh, uh, Riff Raff. Raff enter the scene and are like, fuck you, Dr. Frankenfurter. We're tired of your horny ways. Yeah. Uh, we are going to take you back as a prisoner to planet... Uh, Transsexual. Transsexual. In the, uh, yeah, in the galaxy of Transylvania. And, and uh, then he's like, he's no, like, I don't want no! to. <laughs> and then they kill him. <laughs> they Which kill is him. a more harrowing scene than I remember. <laughs> it is. It starts to get really sad at this part. Yeah. The music is very... The music is very good in this scene. And so he's like, and Tim Curry is just, like I said, a consummate performer. So he's playing it very straight. It's just like, I'm so sad that I you're going to prison me. And he like tries to get away. And then Rocky uh, picks him up and um, climbs to the top of the RKO tower in that's in, on the floor show. Um, and then they <laughs> kill him too and they fall down. Um, yeah. And then they're like, okay. Fuck you guys, we're all leaving. Um, we're taking the house back to the space. And it turns out that the whole castle is a spaceship and it all flies away. And Brad and Janet are, or Brad, Janet, Dr. Scott, and I think that's it, who's left alive. Maybe Columbia. They're lying on the ground and they sing a song called Superheroes. Um, Which is not in the American cut. I'd never seen this before this time. That's right. But it is my favorite song. So I made Jeremy watch it. Um, and uh, it's just a sad song about uh, not knowing what to do anymore uh, and feeling weird. And then uh, that's it. That's the that's end it, of the yeah. movie. The narrator the American says cut, the last I line. guess, is just like they die and then the thing flies away and then it's just cut to credits. Does anything else happen? Yeah. Cause it goes back to the announcer and even in the American version, he says that last line where he says, and crawling on the planet's face lives some insects called the human race, lost in time, lost in space and meaning. But, right. that, but that's the last line of superheroes and it doesn't really make any sense like musically <laughs> without mm -hmm. the actual uh, song. Um, so yeah, I guess, I guess everyone assumes that Brad and Janet die, but that's like not what happens. Uh, they're just like kind of changed and like you say, irreparably horny. <laughs> um, <laughs> and they're just left on earth to just deal with that. Yeah. Deal with the fact that they then become their own <laughs> Dr. Frankenfurters with their own haunted mansions. Yeah, I guess. I mean, the sequel, they go on a game show or something. I don't know. I haven't read <laughs> There's a sequel? Shock Therapy. It's like a kind of silly, uh, not really a sequel, but kind of a sequel that also is the characters Brad and Janet are like on a on a game show. Uh -huh. um, it's not. It is not Barry Boswick and Susan Sarandon. It's two other actors. I bet. Yeah, Susan was probably a hard one to book after yeah. this. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's the movie. Um, I guess what did what did, what's your history and what did you think about watching it this time? So I've seen this movie probably rough estimate 250 times, <laughs> if I had to guess. Uh, I've seen it a whole fucking lot. Um, I liked it a lot as a teenager. Okay. So um, you, when you first saw it, you were like, wow, this is fun. Yeah, I loved it. I loved it a lot. Yeah, as yeah. a teenager. Because it, it had an aesthetic that I was already familiar with. And like I already really? knew, <laughs> like I knew the reputation that it had. I knew like kind of... I was already familiar with like punk and goth and like drag and stuff. Like I already knew all of these looks. So it wasn't like shocking to me. 
it was really just kind of like a fun movie with fun musical numbers. Totally. Um, and um, so I, I kind of like had that sort of relationship with it for a long time. I'd never been to a live Rocky show. Um, I just had seen it, the movie itself, right? Yeah. And um, I had like a, I had this really incredible, I wish I still had it, this incredible like vintage uh, Rocky Horror t-shirt that was like, fr- it must have been like an original like press run thing. Like it was wow. so old. It was like, like the paint was just like, you know how like old ass shirts get like the paint like rubbed into the cloth. It was like that. Oh, It was wow. ancient. It's like crackling um, and like. yeah, yeah. yeah. No, not even crackling. It's to the point where the the paint is either off or it's seeped into the cloth. Oh, so it's yeah. like perfectly soft again. <laughs> um, uh-huh. So I loved it. And then um, sometime in college, um, I started dating this girl who... Um, I've told stories about this relationship before on this podcast. But basically, I started dating this girl who was the... Um, she was like the production manager of her school's Rocky Horror um, okay. So they would do a Rocky Horror screening around Halloween time for like every uh, every weekend up to Halloween for all of October. They like would do three college? shows a weekend. Yeah, at the college they ha- they would rent out the auditorium or whatever, and they would screen it, and they would do the whole the whole rigmarole, the you know, the, the costumes <laughs> and the you know the initiations okay. and the uh, everybody shouting at the screen and stuff, and like uh, you know I was Toast. dating her, and so I would be like going up to see her every weekend, and so all of October was rocky time so all of october every weekend i'd go up to see her i'd be there watching rocky three days in a row on the weekend (laughs) and this you know lasted for a few years and uh not only first of all um did it kind of like make the movie really you know dull and grating and really wear on me for having watched it so many goddamn times Additionally, I hated seeing it live and I hated the experience and I didn't like the the jokes that people shouted out. I didn't like the yeah. whole culture <laughs> of it. I found it deeply deeply cringe in a way that I like I couldn't really come back from. And <laughs> basically from college up until last night I had not watched the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Um and so I kind of talking to you last night, I was like, I, this is going to be interesting because I, I really, really, really hate this movie now. Yeah. Um, it's so sad, actually. <laughs> and what's interesting is that watching it last night, I loved it again. Yay. I really, really loved it again. <laughs> right. It like really kind of came full circle for me again. And I was like, oh, man, no, this is actually such a good time. It's so fun. <laughs> I think it's maybe it might be that like the copy that we watched like the music was mixed really well in it. Like mm-hmm. it was like a good quality audio that I really have never had before where like the songs sound really crisp and like bassy and mm-hmm. like they have like their full dynamic range and like you could really hear the songs. And I was like, I was like, I don't remember liking the songs this much. The songs like these are, are good ass songs. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the, okay. So let me go. Uh, let me give my little spiel, uh, which was I uh, had a friend in North Carolina. So when I moved from Los Angeles to North Carolina, um, I had a friend who I met, I I didn't have any friends for like two years, right? Like Mm -hmm. I moved to the South as a, you know, (laughs) as a little kid, right, right in the high school years. So right when everything is the most important and the most emotional, you know? Um, And so I didn't have any, and I'm also an extrovert and I like to have people around and I had a ton of friends in LA and then I didn't. And one of the first friends I made when I was like 15 or 16 um, uh, was a girl who 
loved this movie like had the sh- shirt you're talking about with like the the big lips on it and um yeah, yeah you know had posters of it she this was her like wizard of Oz. this was her like thing she watched as a kid you know like she would put it on like multiple times a day like on vhs or whatever right um and i had never seen it and she showed it to me and being uh you know a lonely gothy queer kid in north carolina <laughs> like it was incredible. It was this very insane world of something that I didn't know could exist. You know, this very strange, you know, it's okay to, to have fun, weird, sexy thoughts and like, you know, with different genders and stuff. And I was just like, this is crazy. And right. it, it just became this thing that we really bonded over and watched all the time. And her older brother would like take us to, um, you know, I took, me to the first time I saw it live or whatever. I only saw it, I've only seen it live twice. Mm-hmm. Um, and both times it was a very like, only once that I even dress up. Um, and Who'd that you was dress like- Who dress up as? Uh? Who did Fra- you dress up as? Frankenfurter. <laughs> oh, really? Me too. <laughs> uh, um, well, though, actually, I guess there was another time where I dressed up as magenta because I have the big hair. Um, so three times. Um, but the first time I didn't dress up at all, it was just sort of like in a theater and there wasn't Mm -hmm. even talking or whatever. Um, Oh really? Yeah. Interesting. Like some people were saying it, but it was like a very like, so I've seen it twice in New York, um, at like a theater. Um, but that was like as an adult and it was just like, it was just fun. But there was like a moment in high school where it was like this very special thing, this like singular, because there's no real other movie like this, you know, like there's, you know, silly. There's like Hedvig is kind of the closest thing to this. Sure, Hedvig, which I also love um, and loved at the time. Um, But there's nothing that this can't be. Yeah. I'd say like in terms of cultural place, maybe like, um, it's not as I mean it's nowhere near the, this, but like, uh, but I'm a cheerleader is kind of a similar sort of a vibe oh, yeah. to this. I mean, but that's um, also like I mean, like sociopolitically that is like that. But there's no this that this movie is just pure goofiness, and that right. movie is like kind of sad in places and dealing with being gay and stuff. But it's like right. I don't know but if it's like any... visually is still very campy. Yeah, totally. But I think um, what's special about this movie is that it is just absolutely delighting in the subversiveness of its its own like queerness. Um, right. And it has no like, oh, actually, there's sad parts to that. <laughs> it's not about that at all. It's not making no, a political statement. No, the only sad statement. thing is that the party has to end. Exactly. That's the only thing that's sad is that it's like <laughs> at the end, Frank's like, no, I don't want to leave. I don't want to. Like, sorry, go. you have to die then. <laughs> <laughs> like that's it. That's the only sad thing here. Otherwise, it's just like no. It's always fun. Everything's fun, even when I coerce you into sex. Yeah, <laughs> that's not actually any sort of political commentary. It is simply yeah. just a fun like. Don't be a straight. Come over to our <laughs> side. Kind of like twisting your arm. Like you're just being. You're just being a prude. Um, <laughs> and so yeah, I think for me it was this very sort of like this window into a world of subversive uh kind of movies and and culture um but i think i completely understand where if i had to go see this movie it would start to become like a renaissance fair where Mm -hmm. like when you're a kid a renaissance fair is fun it's like 
oh, jousting and huge things of meat or whatever. But like the weird creeps who like hang on to the Renaissance fair and go all the time. uh, It's extremely cringe and weird and like full of fascists and rapists uh, (laughs) where I can't imagine what a current day like Rocky Horror a disciple is like uh because it's it's so part of place and time i think right Um, well so it's like that's the thing kind of is that it like wasn't really you know it wasn't like a hard disciples sort of a thing as much as it was like this school's tradition uh like she had like kind of inherited (laughs) this from somebody who she knew when she was a freshman and then like you know it kind of just kind of like gets passed on from generation to generation to be like, you're the, you know, you're the show manager or whatever of, of our Rocky show. We do it every year. I've been doing it since it came out basically. Um, Mm -hmm. So I don't know. It, it, the idea of it was very alluring to me. And I think at the beginning I was like, Oh, this is really cool that you guys have this tradition. And then just seeing it in person and hearing everybody make the jokes. I was like, Oh, my eyes were bigger than my stomach on this, man. Oh my god, this is so annoying. Cuz like folks at home, if you've never been to see a live Rocky Horror Picture Show, mm-hmm. we should kind of explain this. It's like This is hard to explain, yeah. It's hard to explain, but basically the idea is that you are there watching the movie on a big movie screen. Uh but then in addition to the movie, you're also watching on the floor, uh there'll be people dressed up as the characters acting out the entire movie just mm-hmm. in addition to the movie doing the movie in front of you right. sometimes they'll have like fun variations on the costumes or the sets or whatever but you know it's really weird it's a really weird idea where you're watching the movie twice at the same time basically um yeah and then in addition to that the crowd has not like a crowd participation thing in that you're kind of riffing along to a movie, but rather a weirdly scripted, yes. like extremely rehearsed, extremely understood, you know, set of jokes that you shout at the screen and That's it's right. the same every time. And you <laughs> never like you get people will be mad at you if you do a new bit. You're not allowed to make new bits anymore. It's been it's, over it's been, 40 years. It, this has been litigated <laughs> over 40 plus years. Uh-huh. You know, you are no longer allowed to make new bits for the Rocky Horror Picture Show. There's when Meatloaf bits. comes out of the tank, you say Meatloaf's ready. Mm-hmm. You know, every single one of these, it, th- that's how it is, you mm-hmm. know. When there's when Frank says toast, you throw the toast. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, like... And this is the, also the thing is that if you're not, so I have no idea what the history of the live show is. Um, I assume it started in like very gay uh, mm-hmm. subculture where people just started doing this sort of talk back thing. I don't know when it got like uniform, but like to the point that like when I first saw the movie already, uh, audience participation's disc was published and you could like listen to the songs and the soundtrack of the movie with the jokes so that you oh, know so you would, what like, to say. Oh, so you would like sync it up like you were doing like riff tracks. You sync it up to the movie while you're watching at home sort no, no, of thing? No, it would have the whole sound of the movie with uh-huh. the songs uh, and then also like the the audience participation recorded so that you would know uh-huh. what to say when you go see it. Um and I don't know how that kind of thing. So that means it's like somebody who owned the rights to Rocky Horror, like understood that someone would need this. <laughs> so 
by the early 2000s, this was already like in stone is what I'm saying. But at some right. point, there was a sort and of... And in some ways co-opted. In some ways, you know, you've yeah. like, you've taken the work of generations of queer people mm-hmm. and then, you know, sold it on a little fucking CD <laughs> to people. Yeah. And so at at some point, there was like a The Room style... uh audience participation like thing where it was just like you could riff at it and then because you know about you know, the room has like that kind yeah, of stuff yeah, of course where you throw spoons or whatever i'm not really clear on what the room audience participation is yeah but it feels like it's a it's very clearly like trying to do this yeah exactly but i don't i know very few other movies that have successfully done this where mm-hmm. it's like there's jokes you yell at the movie that aren't in the movie um and everyone knows about about it. And I've also always hated it. None of them are funny. <laughs> yeah. Like I There's like, like I think well, I think some of them are funny the first time you see him. Like I think Meatloaf's Ready is the one that I think of because <laughs> that's the one that I that I laughed at the first time I heard it. Uh-huh. Um because before he comes out of the thing, it's got the little ding ding yeah. ding. <laughs> um and then I think like the one that I went to, I don't know if this is everywhere, but the one I went to uh, during there's a light on uh, and there's the lightning strike. The guy like somebody will go up and he'll like do a like a double middle fingers up to the sky and go, fuck you, God. And then the lightning strikes. <laughs> yeah, <him>. yeah. <laughs> um, that's kind of fun. <laughs> but uh, otherwise, no, it's a bunch of very like clearly scripted uh not funny jokes yeah they're old 70s gay guy jokes uh and they're like yeah that's really what it is yeah (laughs) (laughs) they're very tired basically gay dad jokes right Um, it's like watching three's company (laughs) right uh and so that's the whole point of it and it's cringe i totally agree that part of the whole culture of rocky horror at this point is very cringe uh and it's why i've only seen it a couple times in theater because it's like it's a fun thing to do once or twice uh if you really like the movie and you really like the music but it's not very enhanced i don't think i don't really like the whole like going to see the movie live i think it's much more fun to you know you know, just enjoy a fun musical with really good music. Um, yeah. It's one of the rare instances where I would say that being a part of an audience does not enhance the experience. It doesn't <laughs> like, because it doesn't feel good to be a part of that audience. It feels really embarrassing. Um, well, what's also really embarrassing is that like, it's very, as far as I can tell, not very queer anymore. Like a no, lot it's of- like a it's like a bachelorette party thing. Exactly. You know? It's very much like a bunch of straight cis people going because it's like a fun thing to do in New York. And it's just like a bunch of college kids who just get drunk and they're like the thing that we're supposed to do. And then you've got like both of the ones I've been to, it's like very elder statesmen of Rocky horror, like doing the show. And then a bunch of people who like, only half care (laughs) in the actual audience so it's kind of sad at this point uh but it's such a fascinating thing i think that people really latch on to this it is it's it's a really unique film experience that like just doesn't exist in any other way Mm -hmm. um but that being said i would i would not recommend going to a live rocky horror show if you do i would recommend getting very drunk and additionally lie when you get there and do not tell them that it's your first time seeing Never it there's them. no benefit no, there's don't do no it. benefit to doing their <laughs> stupid sadistic little game that they're gonna make you do 
<laughs> yeah, it, I mean, it, whatever whatever twisted thing they want you to do, no point. Don't do no it. point. You can just say you'd seen it in Des Moines. <laughs> the, who's gonna check? Yeah, never, never say that you haven't seen this movie. Also, because like, I mean, especially now, like, I mean, and now I, I'm not gonna trying to figure out what I'm gonna say without getting in trouble. But at this point, uh. <laughs> going to see Rocky Horror and the traditions that sometimes they have around people who haven't seen it live could be bordering on sexual assault. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> absolutely. Every um, single one of them that I've seen has been like <laughs> some borderline sexual assault shit. So yeah, don't, you know, it, it's a fun raucous time in some places and some places you might get sexually assaulted. So just don't say yeah. anything. And honestly, if you're a little bit afraid of that, maybe don't go. Uh, <laughs> You don't have to tell them. Yeah. <laughs> they don't have like a fucking, you know, they don't have like a like a little fucking thermometer th- like the like they do with the COVID <laughs> where they like shoot it on your head and it says virgin. <laughs> they have no way of knowing the truth. Just say you saw it at a live show in Des Moines. Mm-hmm. They'll never be able to check up on it. They wouldn't. Why would they even try? <laughs> Why would they? It doesn't it doesn't yeah. So don't do that. <laughs> Last thing I wanted to talk about is how weird her how interesting it is that uh Apparently, like some amount of years ago, the director of this movie basically like came out as being actually trans. Uh, like uh-huh. I always assumed that this movie was about a gay man's like drag fetishes, you know, like right, uh, or maybe a bi man, uh, and you know, and this is the thing about this movie is that it's kind of, um, it's kind of, um basically just somebody filming their sexual proclivities <laughs> uh mm-hmm. you know just like what they're into um and just, that's the musical uh but for you know for how fun it is it it works i think but uh what's weird is that it seems like richard o'brien uh has been like on estrogen or whatever and like i found that very odd that this movie that had a lot of conversations throughout it's decades as like, is it bad for this X community or good for X community or whatever? And then like, right. And then Richard O'Brien coming and saying like, Oh, I'm on estrogen and I'm like a non-binary person, but then also being transphobic or whatever. (laughs) It's very confusing, but I just want to say that I don't have an opinion on any of that and it doesn't (laughs) affect my enjoyment of the movie at all. (laughs) Wait, but so, but so they're on they're they're, trans but still known as richard o'brien that's right okay mm-hmm. you know it's confusing and i i'm not gonna comment on any I of it I'm just yeah they're allowed Look, to do what they want to do and you guys uh, you go nuts all of you <laughs> and do what you do what you want do what you gotta I, I support it, Richard. I love this picture of you, actually. You look great. <laughs> You're looking great. Um, I'm looking at the Wikipedia. You look great in this denim blazer type thing <laughs> that I'm seeing you in. You yep. look fantastic. Look- Not so much in your profile picture here. You're wearing some weird sort of author outfit oh the hat i'm not so crazy about yeah it's like a big (laughs) wide brim hat and like a wool coat and a scarf i don't care for that (laughs) the but uh, i do like this uh this denim blazer thing you're looking much better than when you were riffraff that's for sure that's for damn sure (laughs) although i gotta say riffraff is absolutely the best uh the best costume to performance uh ratio here where it's like yeah because it's uh you know frank like dr frankenfurter is like 
you know, of course, going to dance and sing really well, whatever. And like, you know, Magenta and, and Columbia look like they should be in a show and whatever. It's really Riff Raff is the best because Riff Raff is like this big hunchback with the bald head and he looks horrible. And his body <laughs> is so cumbersome and like, like crooked weird, yeah. and weird. And then when he's doing the time warp and he's doing like the hands up, hands down sort of dance as he's running around is like one of the funniest visuals <laughs> of the whole movie. <laughs> yeah. To be Igor and then like be so lanky and weird. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then at the end, po- totally different looking with like the weird like gelled ponytail oh, yeah, and like, yeah, he, yeah. He, his hump is gone. Uh, uh, yeah, he, he yeah, gave himself. A ruse. A... It was all uh, uh, <laughs> like a Kaiser Sose. Yeah. And we've talked this whole time without really mentioning how incredible Tim Curry's performance is. Tim Curry's incredible, but I don't think anybody needs us to tell them that. If, you <laughs> I had... think if you've ever seen Tim Curry in anything at all, that's true. You can, you can just go ahead and guess how good this is. I, I, yeah, but I, I can't stress enough that even if you if you like Tim Curry and you're like, oh, he's always cool and stuff, but you haven't seen this movie, <laughs> like watch it because just if not just to know how fucking hot Tim Curry was as a young man, Jesus gorgeous. Christ, Jesus what Christ. a looker! Oh my God, <laughs> <laughs> what a piece of meat! Damn, uh, yeah, Tim Curry is incredibly attractive in this film, and it, it, it it's it's so well cast because you're like, what kind of person could be in weird drag clothes and then get a straight man and a straight woman to uh, hook up with him? And the answer is Tim Curry. Yeah. Um, so I think it's it's very well cast. The music is uh, this sort of throwback uh 50s music but it's the 70s so it it kind of sounds updated and fun and very raucous uh yeah. and rock and roll and uh a little psychedelic so your favorite song places. is superheroes i love that song so much huh. uh it's the sad one but i i yeah. i just it's it's such a what's your favorite song. like like show song like what's your favorite of like the if, like the upbeat ones uh because i was gonna say my favorite down tempo song is there's a light on um, I always never liked that one. Um, I I guess maybe yeah. I mean, I guess uh, it's that one, or I also like the opening song. I think my oh, uh, damn the, it, Janet, uh, science, oh, fiction science fiction double feature. That yeah. song is great, but um, I think my favorite up tempo song is Creature of the Night. Yeah, Creature of the Night song. is really really good, <laughs> and it was um, so like there's such stuff in this movie that I just forgot how like fun formally it is, where it's like mm-hmm. everyone's like facing the camera like fucking janet and saying creature of the night and stuff it's so fun well and i forgot in that song how much of the fun of it is that it's like uh it's that it's magenta and columbia just like gossiping about her being a slut and just like (laughs) singing this song about it (laughs) Um, and like when they're saying like creature of the night they're like making fun of her (laughs) yeah they're Um, like oh what a dumb slut (laughs) yeah I think that um, I think Hot Patootie is my favorite song. That song is so of good. the whole show. That's I love that song so much, and I love that it, it's the most that it delivers on the promise of being kind of just like a nonsense movie that you're not supposed to take seriously. Is when they're just like, by the way, Meatloaf is here, and he's gonna <laughs> bust out of a wall, and that is it. <laughs> <laughs> then he's gonna get fucking slaughtered, like bloody yeah. murder. Uh, so funny and so enjoy that's uh, that song is probably the one that gets stuck in my head most Mm -hmm. like um just the that fucking like really ripping like you know 
um whatever happened to saturday night it's because it doesn't mean anything like the song yeah, is just like it a especially total break. it doesn't mean anything <laughs> he's not important to the story they could cut him out and the movie is exactly the same yeah i don't really know what kind of music this is supposed to be like i don't listen to anything that sounds like this really but it's, it's all... like old jukebox crap yeah, but it's got that sort of like seventies, like almost Billy Jolie like influence. Um, yeah, but that was itself a like a throwback, throwback yeah. to like jukebox <laughs> boy band shit. Like it's this is very much like a like it's it's uh I don't know, but I, I lost my thought. It's okay. Um, <laughs> but it's but a- it's great. It's a great song. It's the yeah. it's so much fun. And it's so stupid. And the <laughs> lyrics are like, not only are they nonsensical, but they're like nonsensical within themselves where he's just like, the chorus is just hot patootie. And you're like, what, did, what is it? Why is that? the? <laughs> it doesn't come back. It's not explained. It's not prefaced by anything. It's just hot patootie. Bless my soul. He loves that rock and roll. Um, oh, I didn't know this was before Bad Out of Hell, by the way. Yeah. He wasn't really like a famous guy outside of Britain. Um, he was just is like in the movie. I think so. Meatloaf? No, he's from Texas. Oh wow, Dallas, okay. Texas. Sorry. Yeah, but he might be one of those guys. Like I know Kings of Leon, for example, were like really famous in Europe for like a decade before they even had like a minor pop here. Right, exactly. Uh, so I, I don't know. I don't know who. He, I think he was played by someone else in the play. Oh, we should also mention that this is a play that yeah. got turned into a movie, and it very much feels like it. There's a lot of like dumb stuff where it's just like. I'm going to use my machine to to make Dr. Scott come up the stairs. And it's just like a wall with like levers on it uh, that like seems to move around on wheels. Um, so there's a very like stagey performance to it. Uh, yeah. And I mean, I, I think it's I've never really met anybody who's disliked this movie. Like if you think you're going to enjoy something like this, you're going to like it. Yeah. Uh, unless you're just like a square, I think you have the best reason for not liking it, which is like an ex, like just overexposure. Um, but besides that, it's just a fun time. I think if you'd only ever seen it at the live show, I think you'd probably you could I could imagine not liking it. Also, that makes sense. Uh, like if the only time you ever saw it, you got like sexually assaulted by <laughs> one of the games and then you like watch the whole movie and you're like, these jokes are annoying. I can't even hear the movie. Yeah. What what's the, happening? What's the songs? Everyone shut up. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And, and and again, I think with the point of bringing out the stuff about Richard O'Brien is it, I guess if you're like really sensitive to like current day, like um, getting certain kind of words right or whatever like political uh correctness about queer issues like this might rub you the wrong way uh so you know if that's something that you don't like maybe don't consider not watching it but otherwise (laughs) i think you'll have a lot of fun (laughs) yeah i recommend it yeah i recommend it (laughs) it's a fun halloween movie because it has like the blood dripping it's aesthetically about frankenstein and aliens and but it's a party movie ultimately it's a hundred percent a party movie there's a cannibalism scene there's gay sex it's it's a movie for everybody (laughs) so yeah i like it i think it's a fun time all right okay well this has been another week of the show have a happy week in the coming weeks and we will see you when it's halloween 
Halloween will have passed us by. I hope that you have a good one. This has been Generation Loss. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Kinamatagraphy. Follow Jeremy at Jeremy Thunder. Watch Jeremy's YouTube channel, which is also Jeremy Thunder. Uh, watch my sh- listen to my show, BP Bledis. Listen to Jeremy's other show, Ballin' Out Super. Uh, I have another show called Left Sugar. You know, all the things. Hit us up on Patreon if you'd like to hear bonus Patreon.com slash Generation Loss. That's right. We've been... The co- government hasn't stolen our money yet. <laughs> we uh, haven't... We've been covering whole horror series on that uh, this, um, this Halloween month. Uh, so if you're interested in those things, which I think was a lot of fun and people have been enjoying them, check it out. It's a good time. Otherwise... We'll see you in the Discord. See you in the Discord. Bye. Michael Reddy was ill the day he stood still, but he told us where we stand. Flash Gordon was there in silver underwear. Claude Rains was the invisible man. And something went wrong with Ray and King Kong. They got caught in a cellular jail. And had a deadly face to kick him out of space. And this is how the message ran. Passing the news like